0: Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast
1: Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry, so you can get to know more about your favourite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get
0: started. Today we're chatting with Chris Matthias and Bavik Mystery, co-owners of Carlington Coffee House, an independent coffee shop located on Merrillville Road in the Carlington area, a central neighborhood in Ottawa. Their cafe, which opened in 2020, is a converted residential home originally built in the 1940s. Their vision is one built on simplicity, quality, and sustainability. We'll be chatting with them about the shop, their journey, and of course, their coffee. So hello Chris and Bavik, thank you so much for meeting with us today.
2: Hello, thanks so much for having us. We're more than excited to be here, but also more uh, nervous than anything.
0: Well, you don't have to be too nervous, so I'm, <laughs> you know, it's it's really our pleasure to, to have you here. So converting a house, not to mention an older house in a coffee shop, is obviously a pretty big undertaking. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about that process and kind of what inspired the whole opening of Carlington Coffee House?
3: Really what inspired the coffee shop is my desire to have a coffee shop walking distance from my house. (laughs) Love that. Essentially I've been living here for about five years and um, I came from downtown where we lived on Elgin Street and I could walk up the street, go to Ministry of Coffee and grab a coffee and come home. And that's something I really missed when I moved here. Um, There were a few driving distance ones, but uh, nothing where you can kind of like hop out of your house, put some sandals on and walk down the street to grab coffee. Um, So that's kind of where we kind of got the idea. Um, About the process, it uh, was definitely an interesting process. Um, Like you said, it is a house. Uh, It was a house, um, like a residential house. So there was a couple of hurdles that kind of jumped through um, in terms of kind of permits and approvals and the whole paperwork process uh, to get us from residential to commercial. Definitely a lot of learning lessons. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think uh, working on a budget and kind of opening up an independent shop, there's a lot of stuff you end up doing yourself and it's just a lot to learn and a lot more than you imagine kind of going into it. And uh, yeah, Bavik and I have just been grinding through construction projects, renovations, basically for a year and a half now since... Probably about a year or six months before we actually opened. I, I don't know how long we were working before we opened.
3: We probably started work a bit too early. And this was probably one of the learning lessons. You know, we <laughs> uh, we have some experience in home renovation, but uh, nothing in that like commercial area. So we started like demolishing when probably we shouldn't have started demolishing. <laughs> Uh, and then realized that the permit process was a lot more complicated than a residential permit. Um, and so there was a lot of these kinds of gotchas that we never expected, but um, we got the ability to um, open the shop in the house because of like a community development plan they did in the neighborhood. So it's kind of like part of the city's vision to convert this uh, this street into a little bit more of a main street. Um, and so we worked with the, some city planners and um, we actually had some bylaws adjusted to encourage more businesses like this in the neighborhood so essentially these bylaw changes allow people to kind of keep the existing character of these houses uh, and open commercial buildings without having to kind of go through all these odd rules that are really meant for full redevelopment so um, it makes it a lot easier for people to do what essentially we did in terms of what we're working on now we uh, decided to kind of renovate our backyard and It is a house, so it has a front yard and a backyard. And I think that's one of the kind of like unique charms about this is that like, you kind of walk up to it and you're like, oh, it's a house. And then you walk in the backyard and like, oh, there's a backyard. Uh, And so we're planning on um, kind of adding additional seating outside. Uh, We built a couple of pergolas um, and kind of really make use of that backyard space. It's quite large and nice and lush. uh, So you kind of like feel like you're in a garden.
1: Yeah, we've been sort of chatting with like other shops in the past and, you know, more and more we've been talking like like, everyone's working from home. Well, not everyone, but in a government town such as Ottawa, there's a lot of people who are working from home and there is kind of a need like people living in the suburb and, and kind of further out from like downtown that want, you know, access to really cool, high quality coffee shop. And I think you really hit the 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 nail on the head here you you had the the timing pretty much uh, <laughs> was kind of perfect kind of aligned uh, maybe you would you would disagree in terms of like when you started <laughs> it took a bit longer than you thought but um, but absolutely if if it can kind of encourage a, a trend of uh, having independent coffee shops in the outskirts like for example I live in Barhaven there's there's not a lot here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if that can encourage other people to do the same, then that would be, that would be great.
0: I think there's something really quaint or homey too about it being a house, you know, you can, it's different than a something that has been specifically zoned for commercial right from the start, you know, which, you know, has a certain feel to it, but to have it in a house too, like, I don't know, you, you just, you, you probably get just that, oh, I'm at home kind of feeling and um you know you can relax and and yeah it, it sounds really it sounds really great
2: it was definitely one of our 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 sore spots when when the pandemic started because a lot of the time we spent renovating was on the inside of the shop because exactly like you're saying we had we wanted to showcase so much about the house and it being like this old wartime house and even when we were doing renovation we found some cool little Uh, like little notes and cards and other little things inside the walls. We wanted to showcase it and showcase the upstairs, all the awesome brick and just the space as a whole, as like this kind of nice kind of welcoming spot. And then right, I think the week that we were scheduled to open was the first lockdown. So it's exactly what Barbara was talking about. We've kind of switched gears to focus on kind of renovating our outdoor space. Whereas when we were first starting our shop and the idea of what we we're going to be showcasing, it was kind of something on the back burner. Cause we didn't think that people would be spending that much time outside. So we thought, okay, let's put all of our budget inside. Let's put all of our eggs in that basket and let's see what people think. And then the lockdown happened. So not a single person has be able, been able to actually come inside, which is quite frustrating. So yeah, we're really trying to kind of focus on the outside now and kind of adapt with the pandemic and, try and keep people safe and our staff safe. So that's kind of where we're at now. Was the backyard
1: always going to be part of the the plan or is that like, because of the pandemic and then, you know, people being able to hang out more outside uh, because it's safer.
2: Yeah. We, we definitely always want to utilize the space for, for what it is and the opportunities we have as like kind of this special shop that has a backyard like Bavik mentioned. So, We always, like from the very beginning, we were planning, you know, movie nights and yoga days, kind of all these fun things to do, like kids' workshops. We had all these awesome ideas for the backyard, Um, but we just kind of wanted to ramp ourselves up to that. And then this kind of focus made us shift focus and kind of forced us to prioritize different things. So we knew we had to bring customers through the front door, so that meant, okay, let's do something with the front yard And figure out how we can serve customers kind of outside of the shop. So we started off with the, you know, we had some leftover wood. So we put up a little, you know, pickup stand at the front door. And that quickly got kind of overwhelming. So we were lucky enough to have a a little takeout window that was built kind of inside of our kitchen space right beside the espresso machine. So we were super lucky in that sense that we could transition to kind of utilize these different pieces of the house to, to make it work in the pandemic. But uh, yeah, we've definitely been forced to, to really be creative with the space and, you know, as we gain popularity and more people, you know, using a little house is it's fun and it's cozy, but there's also big constraints that come along with that. So we're, we're definitely still learning and we're definitely not at our, peak performance yet, and I don't know if we ever will be, uh, but we're still striving to be.
3: I think the pandemic also, like, especially right when we opened, like, there was this huge, seemingly overnight shift to everything going online. And I think that's one of the things, like, thankfully, like, my background, uh, I've been working as a software developer for the last five years, and then the last two, three years in digital marketing. So, like, that was another kind of thing that almost like fell into our lap when we started. It was like a no brainer, like as soon as we opened website up, online store up and the focus for the first you know, number of months was like, okay, how do we make that online coffee experience something that's easy and easy for customers, but also easy for us to manage. So yeah, that was another way we, we had to adapt. And I think it worked out in our benefit because it's kind of like a nice, nice to have, you know? like, even though people can order at the window, um, we still see a lot of like our regulars and a lot of people just prefer the option to just sit at home and put in their order and then they just walk up, grab the order and then leave, you know, and it's, they always know what's like in stock. They always know what's available. We have the option to see new upcoming items and they have little descriptions. So it's, it kind of worked out in, in that sense. And uh, it's something we're definitely going to like hold on to and kind of build on that whole kind of digital app, uh, advertising atmosphere plays very well with this online ordering system.
0: And, and what a great background, like, you know, software development and digital marketing. That's, uh, that's, I mean, best of both worlds right there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What What's your background in?
2: So uh, I, I studied accounting. So I like to say that I'm the numbers guy of this. But uh, yeah, I think it's really just... Bavik and I have kind of found a way to come up with creative solutions together with the team and with our partners. You know, it's it's the biggest resource that we have right now. Yeah, it's it's really just uh, opening the shop has been a test of our creativity and our ability to adapt.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure lots of learning along the way too about, you know, as you said, the construction, the renovations and, you know, the the business side of things. It's, uh, uh, that's so cool. I just love that You're like walking distance from your house too.
3: It's very convenient.
0: You mentioned that like, you know, they're trying to add more kind of commercial sort of spaces within residential areas. Are there others kind of around or are you kind of the only one?
3: So on our, to the north of us, we have a church and then next to the church is a hair salon that opened up, I would say like right before us, maybe like a couple of months. Um, And they've unfortunately been on the, disappointing end of all of this, where it's like, we at least can serve customers. Unfortunately, like, you know, they're just out of luck kind of thing, like, but anyways, uh, on that side, yeah, they have a house that they converted to a salon as well. And we're pretty much the only two kind of commercial house operations. And then on the other side of the street, you see a lot more of your like typical kind of commercial areas where they're almost like strip malls, but um, they're a lot smaller. and then we have a couple of car dealerships and stuff like that. So there's definitely already existing um, businesses and uh, they've been here for a long time too. Really, There's a, a couple other restaurants just down the street from us as well. But um, I, when I moved here, I joined the community association and um, part of that community association, one of the challenges they had was like organizing these businesses, you know, like in downtown, you see a lot of these BIAs forming where they of kind of like loop together and In times like these, like it's a perfect opportunity to kind of collaborate. Like Chris said, you know, you get one idea with one person, but you have, you know, 10 people, 15 people, and they all have businesses, they all have ideas and you have a lot more power when um, kind of like creating marketing campaigns um, and kind of working with city departments to kind of get things done in terms of beautification of the street. And so one of my personal goals for the future is to be that organizer of some of these kind of businesses and create a little bit more of a a business improvement area here for that kind of strip from uh, Carling South up to Kirkwood.
0: So um, since you opened how has like the response been from like the community you know people around the area you said you already have some regulars so I'm I'm glad to hear that. yeah, um, yeah how has that been going?
2: Yeah I think that's been where we've been I think that's where we've been most fortunate you know there's such an awesome community in in Carlington uh our very first day you know whenever you open a business you have this idea it's it's your it's your baby you know you you grow it you get ready for opening day and you have no idea what's going to happen you know we thought there'd be like three people there and they would just happen to show up by chance and yeah, we just got super lucky. There were so many people who just wanted to come by and say that, you know, kind of echo what Bavik had mentioned that they were excited to have a coffee shop in the area. Uh, there's some some awesome young families that are, are that are coming to the neighborhood, so we see a lot of people in strollers, a lot of a lot of dog walkers. It's a very kind of mobile community, so there's been a lot of people who have come out just to show support and we've we've been super lucky.
3: I think it, they all uh, echoed that same kind of opinion that i had when i moved here where it was like you know i really just don't want to get in my car right now because i don't like driving uh, <laughs> and then you know if you have a dog you gotta like strap the dog in or put the leash on and so it's a lot easier just kind of like take a stroller go for a walk grab a coffee and so yeah there's a lot of people who come um as had which i find amazing who would make it like a almost like a regular ritual you know and you start to I used to work on only Saturdays and and then I slowly transitioned to like a full-time role, but you'd see the same people over and over on the Saturday and you get to know their names and then you get to meet their kids Then their kids would bring their stuffed animals who have names. <laughs> and it was just like the best meal ever. Um, so it's very nice, very community vibe. And they, yeah, they definitely like welcomed us very nicely. And so we're super grateful.
2: Yeah, we're, we're a big secondhand kind of recycling uh, place. And it was super interesting. We put out a call for anyone who had extra flowers just because we had some planters in the front. And just like I mentioned, where we had put all of our budget and all of our resources on the inside of the shop. Uh, we built some some planters in the front and we were hoping to get some help uh, planting inside of them. And we thought, you know, we'd, we'd end up planting everything and maybe a couple of people would drop some stuff off. But I think the Almost all of the planters were, were filled up from people who just happened to donate or want to come by and support us and donated some flowers for the shop. And even a couple of days ago, we had someone who was moving away from Carlington and uh, they had some old planters and they knew that we could find a use for them just because, you know, we're, we're always trying to post the, you know, some, some fun oddities that we've found and brought into the shop. And uh, it's always interesting to hear from these people who have just kind of stopped by with stuff uh, or anything that we've purchased on, you know, Gigi Facebook Marketplace. There's a lot of fun stories and people to meet, so it's been super nice.
1: In terms of of your coffee, so you you feature like a rotation of of beans from local roasters. Um, just tell us about you know your relationship with those roasters and and how you uh, you select those beans and everything.
2: Yeah, I think um, Bavik and I, we both share a passion for coffee, but we don't have that kind of same backstory that a lot of these amazing roasters in Ottawa have. You know, we've been super fortunate to feature, you know, some people that have been on this podcast, Cloud Forest, uh, Animated Coffee, people who have developed these super deep uh, relationships with the farmers within these countries to, you know, ethically source their beans, do direct trade, fair trade deals with these farmers. And we're nowhere near that stage of being a roaster or, you know, kind of getting into that part of the supply chain of coffee. So we thought the best next option would be to try and, you know, bring some of these roasters in who have all these awesome uh, connections with farmers and coffee. And uh, that's kind of where the whole rotating roaster idea was born, was just trying to get this awesome quality coffee into the shop.
3: A big part of the coffee aspect of the shop is, for us at least, it's like this learning. Um, like Chris said, we have a passion for coffee, but we're not uh, traditionally from the coffee industry. You know, like Chris and I both did in Barista before we came here. Uh, we purchased a, you a know, range of coffee beans and enjoyed coffee from a bunch of different coffee shops around town. But having a coffee shop and putting that emphasis on the quality and understanding the kind of different aspects of what makes a quality coffee uh, is something we're just kind of always learning. Um, And it's also something that we want to keep evolving and learning with, you know? Um, So like, as we get these local roasters and even from a little bit outside of Ottawa, like it's an opportunity for us to kind of like try new beans and try new beans with our customers uh, and really kind of pass some of that learning on to people in the neighborhood or customers from uh, that usually come around. And so it it really gives them the option. Like I said, like if I I was living here, I do live here, but uh, if I was uh, uh, not owning the coffee shop, it's something that I would definitely appreciate as, as a coffee enthusiast, the ability to kind of walk up the street and they're doing that work for me in terms of kind of bringing in a, a newer coffee bean and trying things from outside. And there's, we, we also work with um, a roaster that's just up the street uh, named cafia International. It's probably like a little lesser known coffee roaster. Um, but he's been around for a long time. And uh, a lot of the neighborhood, uh, neighborhood folk have been kind of going to him and purchasing their beans from him for a long time. So it was kind of a no brainer for us to kind of work with him in terms of sourcing our kind of like staple coffee beans or so our, our espresso and uh, our like, house medium roast and house dark roast. Uh, just because our customers are appreciating or already are accustomed to it, and they enjoy those kinds of things, uh, we kind of want to serve people what they want to do, right? Um, and so, working with uh, Larry over at, at the International has been really good. Uh, like, he's very nearby. He's given us a lot of advice, um, and most importantly, he's very flexible when it comes to like this whole new business thing. Um, It's like, we don't have to purchase like ridiculous amounts of coffee. And so every week when he roasts on Saturday, we put in our order and then, you know, we can get like a relatively fresh coffee every week without having to buy 30, 40 pounds of coffee that uh, goes stale over a month or so. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, obviously, because it is, it's its own specialty, obviously, and it could be, well, it's, it's its own job too. And it's nice as a consumer to be able to you know, to, to be able to support two companies at once by, you know, having someone else's beans and then someone else's coffee shop too. So you also offer baked goods and uh, we saw on your website also um, some freshly baked bread on Fridays um, and authentic ch- ginger masala chai tea. So um, why did you choose um, to add these items to your off- offerings and uh, specifically the, the chai tea?
3: Growing up in an Indian household, chai tea or chai, as we call it, is uh, it's like a staple. You know, if you, it comes three o'clock, four o'clock. My parents were always brewing up a pot. And then like after visiting a bunch of coffee shops and seeing kind of what's available, it always came to mind. Like, why are we not serving this like authentic chai? You know, this rich, creamy, spicy um, It kind of wakes you up. At the same time, it's kind of comforting, kind of slows you down. So it's like this very interesting experience, all in all, you know. Uh, uh, and so having that chai tea, it's obviously not feasible to do it all the time because of the process. Uh, you know, it takes time to boil the water and then you have to add the spices, then you boil the milk and then it all kind of becomes one mixture. So serving it all the time, not feasible from a business perspective, but Featuring it once a month, a great idea, you know, like it, it's an uh, it's opportunity for us to serve the customers something that we find so delicious and, you know, share that experience with uh, with the community. Um, in terms of like the baked goods and stuff like that, um, Chris and I are not bakers. <laughs> maybe amateur bakers, Chris, maybe made a couple of cookies here and there and some, uh, some power bars. <laughs> but uh, working with local bakers is also of like ties into that whole shop local philosophy that we hold here um where it's like they're just better than us there are a bunch of great bakers in town um uh, a bunch of, bunch of great uh, bread makers that uh, we can bring in their products and we're happy to kind of show off their brands as much as we show off ours um and so bringing in the baked goods with the coffee and the bread was kind of new um Mostly an experiment, but it, it worked out pretty nicely. Uh, it's nice to have the bread around. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bob, yeah. Bavik
2: and I were, were fortunate in the sense that we started our business relationship with a, a, another venture called Beer Snacks International, where we, we kind of make these, these fun little beer snacks. Um, and through that journey, we've been to about a million and a half craft fairs in the city. And from those craft fairs, we've got to meet a lot of these awesome local makers so we've been to a few uh, craft fairs with, with top shelf. So, you know, one of the first uh, uh, menu items we had at the shop was this uh, red pepper jelly bagel. And we knew exactly who to turn to. And same goes with uh, we've, we have these awesome pickles at the shop. You know, we, we we've developed this relationship with a lot of awesome local makers. And exactly like Bobik said, they know what they're doing a lot more than we do. Uh, so, why not just use their expertise to bring in these awesome, high quality products?
0: That makes sense to me. And, you know, you're, it's great that you're supporting, you know, uh, local businesses, supporting local businesses. I mean, it just makes sense, right? I would love to try some authentic chai. It sounds delicious.
2: One of the bright sides of us never being able to actually have customers in the shop as of yet is that. We've been able to use the space for these creative experiments. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how we would have actually done the chai first round without having the entire coffee shop uh, available for, you know, making these things.
0: Nice. <laughs> it, it
2: was kind of a nice way to reduce the stress levels, you know, because the the, the kitchen we have, it's a small house to begin with, and then a small kitchen So when we're going in, we're pretty stressed out about being stuck inside of this little kitchen and not really having that room to, you know, to operate. So it was a nice little way to ease the stress when, you know, we couldn't actually bring anyone inside the shop, we said, Okay, let's then at least use it for what it's worth. And you know, we can, we can open up some space for, for experimenting for cooking for, you know, for creating these drinks. So.
0: You mentioned earlier the whole, um, you know, secondhand kind of initiative. So I'd, I'd like to chat a little bit about that, and you know, kind of some different programs that you have um, going on at the shop. Can you can you tell us a bit about your focus on sustainability and, obviously, you know, community is super important. So I'd love to hear more about all that.
2: Yeah, I think it, it's it's been a little bit forced, you know, a little bit in the sense because being independent, where I think I mentioned, we're we're on a pretty tight budget, so. You know, we, we've gone around in coffee shops in Ottawa, outside of Ottawa, where they have these, you know, uh, super expensive machines, all the highest quality new equipment, and we would love to have all that stuff, but we just don't really have the bankroll for it yet. So that's kind of forced us to try and find alternative places for all of this equipment, because it does take a lot to to kind of operate a shop like this, because, you, you know, when we first started, we thought, okay, just coffee and a bagel, and, you know, we'll, We'll be uh, importing or bringing in all the baked goods, so we won't need that much equipment. But it seems like every month we have to add something new. You know, it's like a panini press and then more fridges. And then, you know, you need a new shelf for this and, you know, new seating, new tables, all this stuff. It it quickly adds up. So we've uh, we've benefited a lot from the second-hand kind of um, market in Ottawa, you know, using Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji. And like I mentioned, it's where we've got to meet a lot of, you know, friendly new people. And, and it's worked great because we find all the super high quality stuff, but just because it's used, you know, you get it at a little bit of a discount and, you know, that's kind of how we've, we've began to operate is, you know, we don't really think about, you know, the going to a store and buying something brand new, you know, you know, we, we have a, we know our budget, so we know we have to be creative with it.
3: Like it was very, very good on the pocket in terms of kind of like equipment side but even when you look at like some pieces of equipment that you wouldn't necessarily think could become equipment i'm gonna give you an example we found these steel doors they're essentially steel closet doors but if you turn them sideways and build legs on it it becomes a steel table uh, and so like that little bit of like thought saved probably like three or four hundred dollars you know where it's like it probably cost us fifty dollars in wood and we had these steel tables which we got two for a hundred bucks and an evening worth of work and we had two steel tables <laughs> and so that kind of like thought process of like okay there's you know could you be creative with some of these things and um, you know could you modify some of these things to serve another purpose um that kind of like thought process it's not only like part of the money saving it's also you get some unique things that you wouldn't necessarily see other places and you get to meet new people
2: yeah i think it's something that's definitely catching on in the city you know uh, like there's this huge demand for you know for everything especially with a lot of stores closed down now like you know where we used to go and find some awesome piece of equipment on Facebook marketplace and just be able to grab it. Now it's like you're competing with five other people. So I don't think we're the only people who are doing this. You know, there's a lot of creative people and a lot of creative business owners who are doing this. And I think it's kind of becoming a little bit of a trend and, you know, it's, it's nice because it's exactly like Bob said, we have these like kind of awesome, one of a kind pieces just because they are you know, they are antiques or just because we happen to come across them where you just couldn't find that in a store now. So we've we've just been super, super lucky in that sense.
1: Curious to know, um, you know, as newcomers on on the scene um, in coffee, in the coffee community, um, how would you describe it currently? And what would you like to see in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years?
2: Yeah, I think it was interesting when we first started just because like I mentioned, we we're kind of outside of the, the the coffee community coming into this. So when we first opened up the shop, we didn't really know where to p- position ourselves in terms of the products, you know, the the beans that we we're bringing in. So we weren't sure what the demand would be for these, for these uh, super specialized kind of specialty espresso drinks and coffees and whatnot. We weren't sure if we should kind of stay more basic or whatnot. But We've definitely found very early on that there's a huge demand for all these interesting and different coffee-based drinks. So there's definitely a huge coffee culture within Carlington and an even bigger one outside of Carlington, as you know, with the, with your Ottawa Coffee Fest, the, the amount of people who, who uh, want to partake in, you know, all these awesome uh, vendors in the city. And I think going forward, I think a lot has to do with these, coffee content creators. You know, I think there's these, a lot of these awesome people who are putting out awesome coffee content in the city and, you know, just abroad as well. Now, I think anyone who's Googled coffee has come across, you know, a few James Hoffman videos on YouTube uh, for a nice Sunday morning coffee. And I think when more of these creators come along, a lot more people become informed and they get more motivated to try these awesome new drinks. And I think there's more of that to come, you know, more of these podcasts like what, what uh, you and Mal are doing with these, you know, putting out content for people to get informed and understand where their coffee is coming from and just get excited about coffee and that I think will just drive demand in the future.
3: Similar to what's happening now, um, what you're seeing is like these coffee shops becoming more of these kind of hubs for local products and smaller producers of things uh, and maybe even like launching pads for some other businesses that other food-based businesses um, because they just kind of mesh so nicely together you know like some of these coffee shops don't need to purchase you know pallets of things at a time where at the same point these smaller producers of pickles or jellies or jams can't produce you know a pallet at a time and so it all kind of works well where they're all you know creating these newer products supporting each other um, finding creative uses for Uh, different types of foods and um, really kind of building up that whole local hub within these coffee shops. Um, I think that's where we're seeing it now. And I think it's just going to expand as we go deeper into the future.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les Cafés.
0: My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops.